something I want to talk about this week. Have we started? Yes. <laughs> okay. I've been on a podcast. Another podcast. Are you jealous? I feel like you're cheating on me. I only got a mention. Well, that's not that's I not being on like, a podcast. Yeah, I didn't like go on it or anything. But I got I got a message read out. That's not good on a podcast. I know, but it's it's good though, isn't it? It's quite nice. Did you mention this one? No. I don't think we Then were you were of it. no use to me. I don't think we were doing it at the time. I think this was quite a while ago. Oh, I can't remember, Mark. I mean, the week's just merged into one. But yeah, I, I've been on another podcast. I've got a mention. Sorry, what was this podcast? <laughs> I feel I feel like I should be a, a better co-host. <laughs> so it's the Flix Watcher podcast. You don't listen to the Flix Watcher, do you? I have heard of it. Okay. I didn't know you listened to it. Yeah, I love it. Um, so for people who don't know, the Flix Watcher podcast is a podcast where the two hosts talk about films that are available on Netflix. So it's really eclectic because anything can come available on Netflix, can't it? And yeah. Clearly they don't have things like the Marvel films and things like that anymore. But every episode they'll talk to some other podcast hosts, people who were involved in um, film podcasting and um, they'll talk about a film that's on Netflix. So it's really, really eclectic. Why are you looking at me like that? Were you on this? No, I was... It was... Like, read out, my message was read oh, out. Oh, okay, right, sorry. That's, Why are you? That's, I thought you were going to tell me that you'd been on this podcast or something <laughs> without me. How? Well, I, I, that, that was, I thought it was a great trick. It's, uh... <laughs> Is this because you got up at like three in the morning and now you're like, maybe, maybe she's been on another podcast. <laughs> yes, yes. That, that sort of tiredness edging in. Absolutely. But no, no, yeah. no. It, but I love it because it's really, I think you'd really like it. It's really eclectic. So, um, the other day they did like Enter the Dragon and then they did something that was more up to date, like The Two Popes. They did Coming to America. Okay. Um, and an episode I really enjoyed a couple of episodes ago when I was cleaning out the spare room was, do you remember the Fire Festival documentary? Yes. So they watched Fire and they talked about that and it's clearly been quite a while since we've watched that. But it's really good fun. So listening to people sort of review it mm. and reminding you of like the cheese sandwich debacle and all of that sort of stuff, I thought was really, really good fun. But this one, this one was Jaws. So you can imagine I had to have my two pennies worth when they said, does anyone want to give us some uh, you know, reviews of Jaws? What do people think of Jaws? Well, it's not as good as the third one. <laughs> well, we hadn't watched it by then, so I couldn't make a, a funny quip about Jaws 3D. But I was, weirdly, at the time when I saw this tweet come out, asking for reviews. I was watching Jaws at the time with Blake. Um, it was just on the telly, randomly. I think it was like on ITV2 or something, because they always run it on stuff like that, don't they? And I was watching it, I thought, oh, this is amazing, because I was, at the time, shouting the words, like, the, the like, you know when Quint shouts, Hooper, starboard, you idiot, ain't you watching it? No. Like, yeah, I oh, know, you don't know Jaws as well. <laughs> but I was shouting out all the lines, because I'm sad like that. So that's what I said on my message, and I said, you know, is it appropriate to shout these things that are, at the time, he was nine months old, so you can tell how, how long it's been. Um, and, uh, and they read it out. Are they paying for this, for this advertisement? <laughs> Have you sold out? No, no, maybe maybe we should drop them a line. Um, Maybe they'll say, we've got a mention on this podcast. But I have made a boo-boo. I have made a boo-boo. Because when I replied in like a massive amount of excitement to them on Twitter saying, you know, thank you very much for reading out 
my message, it's the first mention Blake's got on another podcast, like apart from our own, because our own one doesn't count, does it? Mm. Like your parents mentioning you on a podcast doesn't really count, but like a well-established, well-known flicks watcher, dead exciting. Yeah. And then a couple of days went past and I realised that it wasn't the first time that Blake had been mentioned on a podcast <laughs> because he has in fact appeared on another podcast and then I felt really bad. Yes, yes he has. Yeah, Chris. Chris, yeah. we're really sorry. <laughs> we we actually, all three of us, appeared on your segment of the IndieCast. So our friend Chris, Chris A from the UK, as he's known on the IndieCast, um, has a segment, a UK-specific segment, on the Indiana Jones podcast, the IndieCast. And we were invited to uh, take part in a, a piece he did about places that Indiana Jones had travelled to, and we chose... I said something about Venice. Yeah. And you... Mentioned Rick Munsworth. <laughs> so random. It's the only place I know that, like, I know that Indiana Jones was filmed in Rick Munsworth yeah. and I used to go there because that was where Comet's head office was. And what I loved about that was Chris gave a proper in-depth interview about Rick Munsworth and, like, you went into, like, so much detail about, like, the place you had at Curry. At a Thai restaurant, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I, I do feel I let him down there by my knowledge of anything to do with Indiana Jones and Rickmansworth. I feel like, <laughs> I feel like he came out there going, "Oh, yes, yeah." We, so, we were also on it very recently. Yes, we were. We were. It um one of the latest episodes. I think it was. I've looked. I have looked this up beforehand. It's episode two hundred ninety-seven. So this is how long that podcast's been going for. It's been Ooh. quite a while. Um, so in two nine seven. Chris had asked um, people to get in touch with their thoughts on what Indiana Jones would do in lockdown. And I made reference, well, we both made reference to, of course, what I think is the finest of all Indiana Jones films, (laughs) Indiana Jones and the Crystal Skull. And Chris is desperate to get you on his podcast, I think, to talk about Crystal Skull and your views on it. Yeah, I think I'm I'm interested in revisiting it. Yeah, I think that would be good. I'm not, yes. <laughs> yeah, let's not go down that, that rabbit hole of what you think of Crystal Skull. But yeah, it's, um, so I was, uh, sorry, Chris. Yes. Um, sorry. I've, I mean, I'm not apologising because I didn't no, do it. No, no, no. I'm, I'm looking at you with like sad eyes thinking, why did I not think about that? That's just ridiculous. <laughs> so two podcasts that we have been mentioned on recently, which just made me really excited. Well, you there know. Do you know what doesn't make me excited? What? It's my last podcast as a 30-something. <gasps> oh, it is? Don't feign, don't feign surprise. Well, no, but I'm, I'm, well, you know me and timings and things. I hadn't really worked out that that was the case. It's oh, yeah. going to be a lean birthday then, isn't it? <laughs> Not from the amount of uh, parcels that have been coming through the door that I've had to get uh, get past you. Because you seem to like to run down the stairs whenever the uh, the postie arrives. It's the one thing we've got exciting going on at the minute when a postie arrives and it's inevitably another bill. But, uh, yeah, it's... Um, yeah, 40. 40. Big 4 How are you feeling? I feel all right, yeah. It doesn't seem real. Like, it doesn't actually seem like well, it's my birthday. It's, so. it's a weird thing to have a birthday in lockdown, isn't yeah. it? So... Because the plan was we were going to have a big party, yeah. um, we especially after last year when, like, oh, we were, yeah. last year we were in a hospital yes. um, <laughs> looking after Blake and yes. had to nip out for some nice lunch yes. and then go back. And we, not to put a dampener 
on this. Um, we'd only just had a funeral as well. Yeah, yeah, so, literally yeah, about, yeah. It was, oh, yeah. less than a week before. Yeah, yeah. less than a week yeah. before we had had a funeral for our son who had passed away. So that was a, jo- a jolly time in our in our lives. So I'm guessing that this one's going to be a bit more, <laughs> yeah. uh, a bit nicer. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I am looking forward to just, I've got the day off work. I am just going to enjoy it. Yes, we're going to have a lovely time. Mm. I mean, Blake won't know it's your birthday, so we'll just we'll just have to deal with him as, as per usual. Yes. Well, welcome to parenthood. Hang on, I need to work out. Is it going to be your night or my night the night before? Oh, I don't know. I can't think that far ahead. <laughs> do you want me? Do you want it to be my night as like a birthday treat? Well, I'm not sure if. Uh, I'm or not... do you want to have the night of your birthday off? I'm not doing two nights, mind. <laughs> we'll work it out. <laughs> Um, we've got lots of TV to talk about, so shall we make a quick, quick dash in uh, watching television? Yes, let's do that. Yay! Watching television, watching television. Okay, so we've seen a couple of things together-ish. Mm-hmm. Kind of. And, yeah. <laughs> I've seen an episode of what you've been watching, you've seen an episode of what I've been watching. Yes. And then we watched a couple of things separate. So, should we start with Talking Heads? Because I think that's the yeah, big thing this week. That's the thing that I watched an episode of and then said to you, Oh, you must watch it. You must watch it with me. Please watch it with me. And you did. Yes. Because you kind of I've that. got a lot to say <laughs> about the episode I watched. But anyway. Should um, we talk about what Talking Heads is? What the concept is? So, you know a lot more about this, mm-hmm. this than me. I know that this is just a series of monologues. Mm-hmm. Were they all written? At the, I don't know if they were all written at the same time or. So I should know more about this than I do because mm. I did Talking Heads for either GCSE or A level, and I had the book. I can't remember anything I did for yeah, GCSE and A level. So I remember the book. I remember we the like, cover you. that you were taking at the school, and like you would underline. And I don't know whether even whether you could take it into the exam with you, but I just have a really strong like memory of that. Um, so I should know more about this. Than I, than I do, but I know that it was written for the for BBC. I think written for the BBC, a set of dramatic monologues mm. with famous actors and actresses of the time. Yeah. Um, Patri- Patricia Routledge. Mm. Um, so this was like nineteen eighty eight, I think. So are we in hyacinth bucket territory then? It would we be around be. that time. Yeah. yeah. So Patricia Routledge, Thora Heard, Dame Thora Heard. Okay. Um, Maggie Smith. So people like that really well known and and theatrical yes. um, actors and actresses. Mm. So that was nineteen ninety no sorry nineteen eighty eight. I do know there was a second series in the late nineties, but I never saw that. I never still even knew that existed. Yeah. And yeah. But I've never seen any of these. Yeah, and you, had you heard of them before? I'd heard of them. Yeah, like mm. it almost seems to me in my mind, it's just. Alan Bennett talking heads. It's yeah. just that one for I couldn't tell you anything else. Like I know Alan Bennett's done other things, mm. like done the History Boys. Yes. And did you start off a ten as well? Or oh, am I, I just imagining? I don't know. No. I don't know. That might just be a complete mm. fabrication. Um but yeah, um that's that's kind of what I know mm. about Alan Bennett is yeah. talking heads and that's just the first thing that stays in my mind. Yeah, same same here to be honest with you. And these have been made because of lockdown, I think. Yeah, I think I think so. I think it was filmed during lockdown because I, one of the I'll not say who it is but someone who's in the cast mm. has come out and said they filmed it in one day and she's never filmed anything quite so quickly um, during lockdown and it makes sense doesn't it because mm. you know they're monologues yeah and they've used the EastEnders sets I believe oh, someone, oh, someone mentioned that's interesting because when you think about where because I've watched two episodes you've watched one and I'm I'm thinking back now to 
where the characters are and a lot of the time they're in houses that you could think oh yeah that's mm. if they've just moved the furniture around that could be you know Sharon's house yes <laughs> up in the the Queen Vic you can tell how often how, how recently Elaine's seen <laughs> EastEnders com. yeah com. yeah really yeah <laughs> Dirty den. sorry we're gonna have to stop otherwise we're Ma- just gonna Maggie the Punk <laughs> Lofty oh I love Lofty and you, I always get really confused that Lofty wasn't in Coronation Street because yeah. I often shout Lofty, don't I, when yeah. I really mean Curly Watts. Watts yeah. Yeah, anyway. Um, so I watched the first episode, which was Mel- with Imelda Staunton, and then I said to you, please can you watch the second episode together, thinking that I knew the second episode because I just thought these are going to be the monologues from 1988. Mm. How wrong I was. So I don't think we should go into the... the- the theme no, of this episode. Not at all. I watched the one with Sarah Lancashire. Mm. Bloody hell! Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you and I, the entire time, kept doing that thing we do when something's on the telly that you wouldn't want to watch with your parents in the room, and <laughs> sort of looking at you, going, "Oh, right, okay, this is interesting." So this is quite the, the subject matter on this is quite not something that's mentioned every day. Yeah, it's controversial. Yes. Mm-hmm. Is that the case with other episodes? I've not seen him go down this pathway before. It's even something that's a little bit, well, it's a little bit taboo, a little bit. I, sus- I suspect there are some t- taboo elements in there, mm. or at least sometimes he touches on things that might have been deemed to be taboo at the time, in yeah. the 80s. I think at some at some of the episodes... Um, certainly one I watched they did a, a piece of commentary before the episode came on saying that it included language and terminology and opinions that we would not deem acceptable now right. so okay. and whether he was, play, he was probably playing on that at the time it was yeah. satirical at the time mm. but you're still not used to having that sort of language well, that's been quite recent yeah. with Faulty Towers and yeah. things like that um, yeah been in the news recently yeah. for that but I don't think I I was surprised mm. where this went. Having said that, it still feels very it's it still feels like part of the rest of the bunch if that if that the makes names sense. that they use. So uh, one of the characters is called Maureen, who is mm. a young girl, which mm. is not a modern yeah. name. I don't suspect there's many Maureen's being born in RVI at the minute. Mm. So it does seem, it seems how I imagine a a talking head to be in my Mm -hmm. mind. Mm -hmm. This isn't for me. Okay. I find long monologues, I clearly have uh, attention deficit (laughs) disorder. (laughs) And my thing is, I want something to happen, I want something to happen, I want something to happen. And this really kept kept my attention. Yeah. I don't think seeing Thor, Dame Thor ahead talking about going down the shops for a cup of tea uh, or whatever it would okay, be would okay. necessarily be something that I would keep attention to. Right. Because I think these aren't... Ju- I mean, this episode that we watched together was called An Ordinary Woman and mm. that's that's the theme I'm talking about. These are ordinary people. We're peeking into the lives of ordinary people who might be going through extraordinary things. Yes. Or people who we think are quite ordinary, but actually the more we get to know them, the more we get to understand who they are, they might be quite different to that which we anticipated by just looking at them and listening to them. So that's what I I like, the mystery element, because the person who you see and who starts talking at the beginning is not necessarily the person who is 
who is there at the end. Do you know, yeah. do you know what I mean? Do they all pass through? Because this one passes through a number of weeks and maybe months even. Or are some of them just set just one the, whole... The, the episodes that I've seen, they do pass through to it. There is a period of time okay. which, which passes, but I, I don't know. I mm. don't know. I mean, I should know, given, you know... <laughs> that was like an, an inverted commas expert on this when I was like 16. But yeah, I I can't remember. I'll be interested to because I will watch all of them. I am desperate to watch more. I probably would have watched them all by now. But knowing that you won't join me on that path, I can. I was waiting for you. But okay. if it's not for you, and I can understand why it's not for you, actually. Mm. It's, and I get what you mean about the attention. You would, and I think, mm-hmm. so... I think normally I would say, oh, yeah, just watch it on the background. Yeah. I think I would piss you off watching these because yeah, yeah, yeah. I would be like, doo, 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 yeah. playing with my phone, yeah. like sending a few texts. Because I find them so touching and I think the acting of the three I've seen in particular, the acting I think is just so superb and it just reminds me of the stage. There's a real, it's, it's theatre in your home and I love that. I think Rachel Lancashire in this episode is playing it a Sarah bit. Sarah Lancashire. Are you Who's, thinking about Raquel? Yes, that, that's, that's exactly what yeah, I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> yes, uh, I think I've called her. Yeah, Watts, that's yeah. Um, I I think she's playing it a little bit broad for my liking. Really? Yeah, she's been like lauded for. Yeah, well, I mean, people's opinions on acting aren't always <laughs> as they were. Some of which coming up later. <laughs> a little preview of the remix. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I think it's a little bit broad for me, that, that certain performance, although it probably needed it just to get through the the elements of the uh, of, of the what piece. transpired? Yeah. Okay. Um, it was, yeah, it, it seemed like a EastEnders piece to me, which I don't oh. think necessarily says... To... I didn't feel that way at all, but okay. I'm probably coming at it with a very different... You, mm. You're coming at it completely fresh, yeah. and I'm coming with all this baggage, so that yeah. that's really interesting. But yeah, yeah. I, will, I will watch the rest... I can get through it. This is this is great for me because that means I can just crack on. It's not going to be me that stops you watching. No, 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 it's going to be a little, little oh, person. Oh, tell me about it. What else did we watch? Oh, we watched that. Um, we watched the we watched the program. About, I mean, what a shift. We watched a program about lava. So uh, the other big release was quite contrasting release this mm. week is Floor is Lava. Floor is lava. I mean, when we started this podcast, this is not what I thought we would be talking about. <laughs> I knew nothing about this. I heard a lot of people talking about it online. And so I thought, I'll just pop it on. Floor is lava. First thing first, really annoys me that this doesn't have a the in front of it. Oh, that's true. Yeah, the floor is lava. Yeah, why doesn't it have that? I feel like contacting Netflix <laughs> and asking why this is floor is lava and not the floor is lava. Do you want to explain the concept of this remarkable show? <laughs> yes. That, yeah. So it's based on the kids' game. What do you mean? I'm glad kids you've game? said. I'm glad you've said that. So this is a kids' game where typically, if kids are just playing about, like say you've got kids playing about in your front room, yes. one of them will shout, "The floor is lava," and everyone has to get off the ground within like ten seconds, and then has to where work they, their way to another thing. Where are they going? On the sofas, not on the furniture. Not, not in my house. We're going to have this in a, in a couple of <laughs> There's years. No floor is lava in this home. <laughs> so, this is a very American game, mm-hmm. I think. It's mm-hmm. been around since the 50s, and I've spoken to, I've done some research into this. Because for us, we played Off Ground Tig. Right? I, you, no. Don't even no. know what Off Ground Tig is. I, have no, I, I didn't even know what you were saying then. So, you know what Tig is? What tag? 
oh, that's a regional variation. Okay. In Hull, it's but TIG. But, like, you touch someone and they're there it. it. Yeah. Right. So, off-ground TIG mm-hmm. is you can't be made it if you are if your feet are off the ground. So you can climb on some railings or jump on like some like on some swings because you normally played it in like the playground or something right, like okay. that. Yeah. So that's off ground take. And it's a little bit like that, I guess. Okay. But yeah, it's a it, apparently loads of kids now play it in the UK. And I think it's like mm-hmm. Halloween. It's something that's just come across from America mm-hmm. and thing. I asked Neil because <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But he concluded that we never played this. And so this game is Obviously, a game show. It's... Sorry, is you asking Neil? Is that your research? Yeah, that's is my that research. What research was? Yeah, dropped Neil a text. Said <laughs> your <laughs> kids play Flora's Lava. <laughs> Visions of you like sat upstairs, getting on on the internet and researching the history of it. But no, you just asked Neil, right? Okay. That's that's what research is, love. Yeah. Okay. So this is a cross between a kind of Finders Keepers and Ninja Warrior, and Crystal Maze. Crystal Maze is a great one. Yeah, yeah it's a great example. Someone goes into a room, which is obviously a TV studio. Yeah. There are it's set out like a room of a house, so there is a bedroom, a kitchen, a planetarium, like every good home has, uh, a basement full of artifacts. Does it have a cinema room? Not yet. <laughs> and there is loads of furniture there, but anything that isn't furniture is a bubbling red liquid that is meant to be lava. Yeah. So the floor is all. Lava. Like it's totally, it is liquid, and it's and it's spurting up, and mm. it's it is bubbling, it, yeah, and and it's brightly coloured as well. Yeah. So yeah, the floor actually is lava. Yeah. So the point of this is three teams of three uh, have to get from one side of the room to the other, and they without falling in the lava. There are a number of routes they have to go. There are a number of puzzles to solve. There are team working elements. This is really good fun. With a lot of caveats. I think this skews really, really young. I think this could be a really good, fun family game show. But certainly at the start, and it does get better, this is aimed more at get your own back than gladiators. Yeah, yeah. Now, I've seen seen up to episode three, and this does get better. And they do do sort of... (laughs) They do kind of like... um, Takeshi's Castle kind of elements mm. where people like will hit their head on something as they're jumping from furniture to furniture and they'll go and do a replay and they've got the annoying talk voiceover yeah. and so they'll go for that so it's definitely not aimed solely at kids but certainly the first episode every single person on there I despised there is a set of triplets I don't think you saw this episode no. there is a set of triplets I didn't just want them to fail I wanted them to go home. Oh, I wanted no. them to find they'd left their freezer door open. I wanted oh, no. them to to have water all over the carpet and loads of food ruined because I hated them. Have you ha- had you had a bad day? I don't know. They're, they're like they are. I don't know whether the director is telling them to mm. just act all excited it and everything could be. like that. Yeah. But they act like. Th- Imagine if Big was remade. Yes. But there were three kids who turned into adults. Right. But they never met any other adults, so just remained annoying kids, and they were all played by Adam Sandler. This is very specific. Yeah, I'd spent a long time hating these people okay. and weren't working out exactly why I hated I them. I think they have been trolled a bit, because the episode that I saw, they mm. were so over the top. They were so enthusiastic. I was like, you can't be that enthusiastic all the time. So I think it has been a note from the producers, surely. Mm. But this is... <laughs> you don't get a lot of things like this now. Mm. I think... 
Ninja Warrior, certainly in this country, has kind of tried and failed. I don't really see anyone. I like, we, I like Ninja Warrior. <laughs> we have it on in the background. We yeah. don't necessarily watch it. I, and it. I quite like it. And it's all the same. Right, yeah, it's just it, and people who are very talented, mm. running and yeah, I want to see incompetent people. Mm. Um, this is very You're much, much that. more like Takeshi's Castle, is it, where people are failing and people are sliding back down. Yeah, you know, things and I want and people where I can up. go, like not just lord them on their athletic prowess. Mm. Go, good, you fell in, you get nothing. <laughs> oh, it's wow! Hammering down. It's pouring down. Mm. I get what you mean about the family, the family photo. You can really hear that rain, can't you? Yeah. I get what you mean about the the family element to it, and it could have been a really good. Fa- I think it would have been good as more kids and parents, but you could never have that on this show because people are absolutely stotting their heads off. You know, you you can hear cracking and. It's so complex. Hardly anyone's winning it. Hardly anyone's getting to the exit, from what I can see. Mm. But each each show, someone does win. The person mm. who gets the most people there wins a ten thousand yeah, dollars. So there is yeah. like a prize. Yeah. And they win a lava lamp. Yeah, and a lava lamp. <laughs> yeah. Terrible. Yeah, I stopped watching this halfway through the episode that we watched together. Yeah. Because I couldn't cope with the sensory overload. It, it's just too much. It's just too much. I enjoy it. I'm going to carry on I, watching I it. I can't watch it. When there was one bit where they were on a bed and the bed was rotating and the lava's, you know, this orangey, reddy, coloured liquid squirting up and they're screaming from one to another and you're spinning your head and then the voice of... It's just no. Just no. <laughs> just no. It actually, even thinking about it now, makes me feel quite unwell. So you carry on. I'll have the lovely, intimate, theatrical monologue of Talking Heads. Oh, so calming, so calming. And you can have this wild party where you don't like anyone who's on the show. Good. That's mm-hmm. And that's the way it shall be. So I know you've watched something when I've come downstairs. I've seen you watching something. Is it called make me famous? It's called make me famous. I just want to do two minutes on this. So stop me if I start rambling. Okay. Um, I wasn't even going to watch this. I, it's a BBC three drama. It's 60 minutes. Kept flashing up on the old sky on yeah. the box as like, have you seen this featured? And it just looked at BBC three, made me famous, didn't hold any sort of attention. And then I found out that it had been written by Reggie Yates, the TV presenter. Oh, okay. Who's obviously had a career in television from a very young age. I know more about this than I think then. Right, okay. Yeah. And I straight away, I was more interested. I've watched a lot of Reggie Yates' documentaries. He's done very documentaries well for himself. Recently, and they've been really well constructed. Mm. He comes across incredibly well. He's very knowledgeable. He's really intelligent. He knows the industry. Mm. And I thought, oh, I'll, ju- I'll just see what it's about. Make me feel, like, oh, what could it be about? Didn't know the concept. But this is a, um, a drama that's based on a number of conversations that he had with reality TV stars. And it's the whole idea of, as the title would suggest, Make Me Famous, of people who go on constructed reality shows and what happens to them afterwards. Okay. So he's, he, and I watched a, a video, I watched an interview he put out just recently about this show. And he said that, you know, he's not talking to people who were on reality shows sort of 20 years ago. He's talking about the people who have been on the telly a year ago, two years ago, mm. and who now find themselves having given up their careers, 
having had huge amounts of fame, suddenly that fame going. And then what do you do? But also having the added pressure of social media. Um, what happens when you, you overnight, you become incredibly famous, but you're known for things that perhaps your employer wouldn't want you to be known for, for example? Yeah. Suddenly everyone has an opinion on you as well. Yeah, I suppose if I'm using a local example, mm. someone who's been on Geordie Shore, mm. there's going to be like an opinion that someone will form whenever they go into a job interview from then on. Yeah. And people around them will love to hate them as yeah. well because they'll see them on the TV. And you know, we've all—I mean, we've just—we've done that on a lot of shows, haven't we? Where we've, where we've gone, oh god, can't stand them, blah blah blah. We're not the sort of people who would then find them on the internet and tell them how much we hate them. You know, that's that's not the sort of thing. But people I now know will... that I can Instagram that DM people there. So, <laughs> no, uh... but it's yeah, people actually do that. Like, it's one thing to yeah. say, oh, I'm not that keen. It's another thing to find that person and tell them to die. Yes. You know, or tell them to kill them. I mean, this is, mm. and we know this because there have been a number, you're very sad. I mean, this is incredibly tragic yeah. of people who have taken their own lives, who have been on um, constructed reality shows. Well, um, Love and, Island yeah. is a big one. That I yeah. think there's been two major contestants. Is it two yeah, major contestants? I think so, two. I yeah. think two. I hope I haven't got that wrong because it's not mm. the sort of thing you want to get wrong. And clearly, um, the tragedy that was um, Caroline Flack's passing recently yes. as well. So there are a lot of things that have happened recently. And I think that's what sparked Reggie Yates's interest in inverted commas and the fact that he knows this. He, he's been to the personal appearances. He's done them himself. Yeah. He's been in the clubs. He's seen what people have been offered. Mm. But he's also seen that fame can be fickle. Yes. And that's essentially what we're watching in this show. We're watching, based on his interviews with reality TV mm. stars, what can happen to you. I thought this was really interesting. I don't think it's the best acted, best sort of written show in the world. I would have loved to have seen it as more of a series rather than a 60-minute think piece, which I think is what it is. Okay, so, oh, so it's just a one-off. Yeah, right. just a one-off. They're calling yeah. it a film. Yeah. It's, it's you know, an hour. If this had been longer, if we had had maybe half-hour episodes like we had mm. with normal people, yeah. and we could go back and we could find out more about these characters, we could see exactly why they were making the choices they were making, you could go into more depth. If we're going to tear apart what is happening, this seems to be a systemic thing within television, within reality TV. If we're going to say that reality TV has a duty of care towards these people and perhaps that's not being uh, carried out mm. appropriately, which is, seems to be where we're, we're going with this, then I think you need more time than just showing someone in a room with a couple of producers and thinking, oh, those producers might not look after this person. Yeah. I think it's well worth a watch, though. I think it really makes you think about, like, when we watched Love Island last year, when Reggie Yates was saying in this interview, oh, I've spoken to people, and it's not just, it's last year, and suddenly they were famous, and then they weren't, and yeah. what do they do now? I was thinking of the people that we were watching on Love Island last year, and think, well, mm. where are they, you know, where are they now, and what are they doing, and are they back at their job, or have they, has their employer turned around and gone, oh, look, you know, you left, and surely you've got loads of money, and well, why don't you just get on the telly again? And mm. it's, it's not quite like that. But yeah, it's a recommendation from me, more about the way it makes you think more about the moral of the story than actually the you know the 
the realization mm. of the story itself. I'll, I'll try and watch that then, mm. if that's if it that short. And I maybe would like I'll... to talk to you about. I I would like to sort of sit and hear your opinion on on it mm. as well. I know that we normally cover brand new shows, mm. but I have. Um, been watching something from last year. Okay. Um, and I need to pick an argument with you about it. Oh, it's unbelievable, isn't it? I <laughs> yes, was trying it is. to work out. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So this came out in September 2019. Yeah. It's a Netflix original. Yes. And it is the story of, it's a true story mm. of some sexual assaults that took place across Washington and Colorado. It stars Caitlin Deaver who I know from uh, Booksmart and Justified, and I think I mentioned probably most episodes. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I I don't know her at all. Uh, Tony Collette and Merritt Weaver. Ah, Merritt Weaver. That was how I found this. I I think I'm the one person on earth, as it turns out, who liked the ending of Run. Yeah. And I was sort of looking looking into other things that that she'd done. Oh, so you'd specifically looked for Merritt Weaver because of Run? Yes. Oh, that's interesting. And I think... Mm -hmm. When I was listening to reviews of Run, people mentioned how good she was in Unbelievable. Mm-hmm. So I'd seen it, like, it's around the IMDb Top 250 mm-hmm. for TV shows, so I thought I'll, I'll check it out. Um, so, yeah, I think this was based on an article that won the Pulitzer Prize about how unbelievable this story was. Um, it was adapted into a This American Life episode, which was where it got in legs and then that's oh, been made. Is that where it oh, Yes. I didn't know that at all. So this is basically two different stories. Mm-hmm. Uh, one is Caitlin Diva playing Marie Alda, who suffers a really horrific sexual assault in her apartment. Mm-hmm. Someone who breaks in a, a long and protracted sexual assault in Washington State. Completely separate is an investigation by two detectives into a string of similar, well, ex- extremely similar um, assaults taking place in Colorado in America. So qu- fairly some some fair distance away from each other. And these two stories don't interact at all throughout the un, until the end where mm. obviously there is some, they yeah, have to tie it together yeah. in some way. I watched the first episode and I was absolutely blown away and I thought this is the most Elaine show I've seen without Elaine making me watch it. So I mentioned it to you and you turned around to me and said Oh, it's like kids performing. Yeah, something. I wonder if something had happened at the time. Mm. With you saying September 2019, that makes me think we had just come home yes. from the hospital. Actually, we we weren't home until halfway through September. I'm wondering if I've watched this at the wrong time. Mm. I have a vague recollection of just watching it on a tablet and carrying it round with me rather than sitting at the TV. Mm. I don't really remember. I think I was sort of sorting the house out at the time as well because we just moved house. So, yeah, I don't really remember the performances or, you know, in any great detail apart from thinking, God, this isn't very good. Maybe I have come at this at a completely wrong time and maybe I haven't spent enough time actually properly watching it on a bigger screen Mm. because I, I wouldn't have thought this was your cup of tea. Because you're right, it's more my cup of tea than yours, and mm. yet you are raving about it. Mm. I think this is brilliant. Okay. And everyone else seemed to as well yeah. at the time. I think that Caitlin Diva is such a good actress. Like, to, to explain the history of this, because I think I can be an apologist for her. Mm. She came into Justified when she was, I think she was 15, and she was playing sort of a 13-year-old that was part of a crime family, and in the second season, which is the best season of Justified, um, the big bad 
crime boss took her under her wing and started her work amongst the... What are you laughing at? I'm laughing at the fact that you still found another reason to put a little bit about Justified in. I love... You yeah. love Justified yeah, so yeah. much. Um, so um, she brought her into the drug industry that runs through Harland County. Um, and that storyline's kind of tied up throughout... The, the, in, by the end of the second season... But Loretta keeps on appearing as a recurring character, rise, and every time you see her, you might see her once a season, you might see her like two seasons time, but she's rising up through the drug industry in this. Still only like 14, 15, 16. Wow, okay. And the thing that it would remind me of is, do you remember when everyone lost their shit at Lady Mormon on Game of Thrones? Yeah, yeah, Being yeah, such yeah. a strong so but young. a child. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what she's like, but you know her backstory uh, as well. Okay, right. So she's yeah. such a memorable character and she's so good in Booksmart. Uh, she got a Golden Globe nomination for this. Right. Which I, I think when you're saying... For Unbelievable? Yes. Oh my God, I must have missed something here. I think she plays, she sometimes playing it quite, I think the whole point of this is that people don't believe her because they don't believe she's acting like she has been. Yes. Okay, right. And so what happens is she goes and reports this to the police and the police essentially persuade her Mm. that she needs to tell them that she's lying Mm. and she's bullied into it. And then it just goes further and further okay. because she tries and says, no, I was, no, no, this happened. And then she's talked down again. Mm-hmm. And, and then, of course, it sounds like she's changing her story. So then yeah. it reduces her credibility even more. I, and she, the performances she does, I, I would beg you to watch this. Okay. At least do at least three or four episodes. Give it another go. Yeah, please. Because yeah, I, I love this. I, I was watching, I was getting up with Blake at six in the morning. <laughs> I'd watching two episodes back to back, oh, really? and then okay. which I never do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, if and if anyone's not watched this, caught this first time round and wants a good like true crime, mm-hmm. this is brilliant. Just give it a go right. and I'll, tell I'll Elaine go. why she's wrong. <laughs> I will go back to it. <laughs> it's date night. It's date night. Yes. I have to admit, okay. I'm not looking forward to this one. Well, I have to admit that I'm not either. Um, <laughs> I kind of pulled it out of the bag last week and now there's, there's something else has happened this week that's made me think of loads of other films that you haven't seen that I would want to watch more than this one. That's a really convoluted sentence, but what I'm saying is I've sort of thought of some other films that would be better than this one, but let's give it a I'll go. Try. Let's give it a go. I haven't seen this for years. It's probably been like it's over 10 years since I've seen Last of the Mohicans. So let's... Let's give it a... It's Daniel Day-Lewis. How wrong can it be? I don't think I've seen many Daniel Day-Lewis films. Okay. And I don't like a lot of them. There Will Be Blood? I I hated There Will Be Blood. Oh, no. I know that I'm the wrong side of history on that completely, but I sat there really bored throughout the uh, film. I I probably need to revisit that. I probably need to do an Unbelievable with you. This is going to be a fun date night, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah. I hate him. Can't think of any films I like. Don't like this film. Neither of us really want to watch it. Let's give it a go. Let's let's take in the epic that is... He's good in the name of the father. He is good in the name of the father. <laughs> but let's not go into Daniel Day-Lewis's back, back story. Back story? History. Filmography. That's, yeah, thank you. Yeah, let's go before I, I stop learning to speak as well. Let's, let's go okay. watch this. As a new land was being carved out of an untamed frontier... Just dropped in to see how you boys is doing. One man, defiantly courageous, stood his ground. I thought all our colonial scouts were in the militia. I ain't your scout. 
We sure ain't no damn militia. One woman, fiercely independent, followed her spirit. My father warned me about people like you. He said, do not try to understand them. Do not try to make them understand you. Thank you so much. They shared an adventure. It was a war party. That means they're going to be attacking up and down the frontier. That took them from the edge of the wilderness. He saved us. We were alive only because of him. Are those the actions of a criminal? And into each other's hearts. Why didn't you leave when you had the chance? Because what I'm interested in is right here. I will find you. No matter how long it takes, no matter how far, I will find you. Academy Award winner, Daniel Day-Lewis, Madeline Stowe. The last of the Mohicans. Don't you love it? And I know you do. Don't you love it when they get the name of the film in the film, but in, the, in this instance, they got it in the last last section before the credits came up. It was one of the last things ever said. Yes. Because you like it when bands... Is it when bands have, in a song, they either have the name... Is it the name of the band that you like? I'm doing it. This name of the band or name of the album, I yes, find. that's yeah. it. Yeah. So, for example... Um, in the, for example, with the name of the album, Jason Donovan, Too Many Broken Hearts, I'll Give You One Good Reason to Leave Me. I'll Give You Ten Good Reasons to Stay. Yeah, brilliant. Name of a song, bands with the name of the band name in the song. So, for example, Living in a Box by Living in a Box. Living in a Cardboard Box. I've done quite a range of them. Yes. With Neil recently, actually. Yeah, you've been thinking about it quite a lot, which is why I thought of you. Take that and party. Oh, come on, come on, come on, come on. Take that and party. Yeah. Anyway, off the albums, (laughs) on The Last of the Mohicans. Um, So spoilers for The Last of the Mohicans. And it is The Last of the Mohicans, because last week and then earlier on recording, Mm. I kept thinking, is it Last of the Mohicans? Or does it have the the? But it does have the the. The Last of the Mohicans. Floor is lava. Yeah. The Last of the Mohicans. The Last of the Mohicans. 1992, so it's been out for a while. How many years is that? It's 28. Wow. It's a long time. So, lots and lots of spoilers for The Last of the Mohicans. Would you like to summarise The Last of the Mohicans, Mark? In terms of plot. <laughs> a lot of stuff happens. Mm-hmm. And then an ending happens. Oh. Oh, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm getting a feel for how you feel about this film. So, it's based in 17... I think it was 1787 It's in the 18th century. Yeah. Because the, the the actual date comes up on the screen in massive letters, but I've managed to forget it. And it's all about the English and the French and their fight for colonial America as it was then. Yes. And they're having this great big fight and the Native Americans have been caught up in this fight. Some have been essentially taken on board by the British, um, mm. not necessarily of their own volition. Yeah. Um, and some have chosen in inverted commas to fight for the French and actually have French as a second language so and one of the Native American characters calls the French general my French father Mm. so there's all of that background going on there and we uh, learn I'm doing the summary now 
Yeah. Do, do you want me to carry on with it? No, you it, carry on. Okay. Just realised I've gone into like, would you like to give this a remark? Actually, no, I'll do it. Uh, sorry. Um, yeah, so we, the main characters who we meet are Duncan, played by Stephen Waddington, who has come to America. He's a British general. He's come to America to escort two ladies, Cora and Alice, who are sisters, to their father, Colonel Munro, who is in a fort. I know they say the, the fort is like Fort William Henry or something like that. Something like that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he's at a fort and he's fighting the French. And along the way, we also meet uh, Chinjaj Cook, his son Uncas, and his adopted son Hawkeye, who is played by Daniel Day-Lewis. His parents have died and all of his family has died and Chinjaj Cook has taken him and adopted him and brought him up in the way of, of the Mohicans. And... Bad things ensue. A lot of what you just said there... Yeah. ...completely passed me by. Right, okay. I find this... I think it looks beautiful, this Mm. film, but I find it's really badly written. I think it's really badly produced. (gasps) Really? Long long spells. People are talking, and Uh, there's score going on in the background, mm, and sound effects going on in the background, mm, like water. mm. And I'm like, I don't know what's going on. I'm like, like... would it be offensive if I asked to put subtitles on? But Yeah, and I wonder whether this is the copy that we're watching because not that it's a dodgy copy, but it's on Google, isn't it? And it it didn't feel sharp at all. No, I think this well, so Do you think it's just the I'll say one thing. The, the worst example I've ever seen of this happening where there's people talking and just everything around it mm. is also another Michael Mann film. Um, okay, Miami right, Vice, right. the Miami Vice film. I had to switch off because I just was like, I can't tell what anyone's saying. And to be fair, because uh, interesting, you brought up Michael Mann, which we'll talk about in a minute. Mm. Um, my favorite Michael Mann film of all time, one of my top five, probably top three, is Heat. And I always try and get, you know, the way you get justified in. I always yeah. try and get a little bit of heat in there <laughs> at some point. And I have watched that film over. I mean, I must have seen that film 30, 40 times. And it took me probably about to time number 25 to actually work out what's going on. And I still, at certain points, don't quite know what's happening. Well, they should put that on the poster, shouldn't they? <laughs> no, the big blue poster, the bu- lovely big blue poster had that poster. Yeah, yeah. I mean, for the back of the DVD cover. It yeah. took me 25 attempts to work out what's happening. <laughs> but I, I do agree with you. I was quite taken aback by how difficult it was to follow what they were saying. Mm. Um, there were a lot of interesting accents in this film, and I'm not sure whether... And it's it... not not from the Native American side. No, no, not at all. From people... I don't know where they're meant to be I, from. I don't know. I thought one guy was trying to be Irish. Yeah. But then I d- wondered whether he actually was Irish, but he was trying to... Trying to put a, an, um, an American, as we know it, it now. Is it one of the colonial accent? American ones? Yes. Is it the one that yeah. looks like Michael Bolton? Yes. <laughs> he has very dodgy wig. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. you just don't quite know whether he is meant to have travelled from Ireland or whether he has picked up the American accent. I, I just don't know. Or he's know. just an Irish actor or he's just, Yeah, yeah, I know. really bad And even his... Dea Lewis, he's doing oh, a bit of a mix of everything, isn't he? I think his accent's all over the place. Yeah, I, I, I agree. But yeah. oh, I still like him. Anyway, so you found it hard to follow the main plot line so you you weren't picking up on because they do make it i was quite i was laughing the depiction of the french is a you know if we're talking stereotypes the french stereotypes were just like you you loved a particular line because he kept saying it to me during the film the french 
they eat and have sex with their faces. I mean, it's just bizarre, isn't it? You know, <laughs> but this is their depiction of the French. And, and the French, they're also wearing these little, like, nightcaps as well, just to make them look a little bit, like, a bit more glamorous. Rip Van Winkle. Yeah, a little bit more glamorous. The British and the British are very staid. And... Yeah. I, for a long time... Right, so I couldn't tell you any of the main characters' names okay. in this. Didn't okay. pick up on any of them. I'm looking at IMDb now, mm. so I couldn't tell you that Daniel Day-Lewis's name was Hawkeye. Or Nathaniel, or Nathaniel Poe. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got Cora. I'm going to ask you to say that name because you've said so it quite well, really well. I'm not sure how, but it's Chinjaj Cook, yeah. which the middle bit sticks. Mm. But yeah, Chinjaj Cook. Didn't get Unkers. Mm-hmm. Got Alice. Uh, got Duncan. Oh, and Duncan. It's only looking at IMDb that I realise that Duncan yes. is um, <laughs> Lord Buckingham. Duke of Buckingham from... Yes, sorry. Uh, from the Tudors. You don't have to say sorry. It's all right. You don't have to apologise. I, I got, got his Buckingham. title wrong. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, he's in series one of the Tudors, which is like one of my favourite TV shows of all time because it's just a, it's a mess. It's a mess of his, historical messiness, but yes. it's amazing. Yeah, he is. He's, he's Duke of Buckingham. And I wondered if you would pick that up. This is like his major role. Okay. When, it, when you look at his Wikipedia page, this comes up as he is best known for playing Duncan in Michael Mann's... It's a Dallas big role. Weekend. It's a huge role for him. Mm. He's he's in quite a lot. He is almost in it as much as Daniel Day-Lewis, who is meant to be our protagonist. Absolutely. I'm really torn on this. Mm. I am really, really torn because I think it is. I think it looks beautiful. And I think some of the action sequences are phenomenal. I find it entirely humorless. Like there is absolutely nothing just to take you out of the just to it's mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. it's people talking at each other, um, explaining their backstory in with accents that I can't pick up on. And then there's a fight sequence. And then in between, there's people walking through beautiful... I don't know where... I take it this was filmed in New York State. I, I don't know, hun. Let's have know. a look. Let's have a look. But yeah, I'm really... I it don't really know where to pick up on this. isn't it? I think the cinematography... Mm. I remember when I was talking about this to you last week and I was using the word epic. I think really what I wanted to do was use the word lush. Okay. Because... It feels luscious. Like, I remember it, and I haven't watched mm. this for years, yeah. but I remember it being lush. And when it, we started watching it, I re- realised that what I meant, it was so green. Everything's so green, it's mm. dewy, and we're in the forest, and so many waterfalls, so many waterfalls. <laughs> um, just absolutely mm. beautiful. So it's filmed in North Carolina. Okay, where's that? Uh, it's so it's sort of mid-Atlantic coast of America. Okay. Uh, it's north of Florida and Georgia, which right. are the south. It's south of New York and sort of the um, Washington and things like that. It's just okay. below Virginia and north of South Carolina, as you okay. probably can yeah. imagine. Well, you know me. Yeah. I might have got that wrong. I mean, you didn't know where Bournemouth was this morning. <laughs> no, or so. oh, oh, your poor dad who was trying to explain that Bournemouth was near Poole and I looked <laughs> blank. And then he went, near the Isle of Wight. And again, I was like, I just can't admit to your dad that I really don't quite know where they are. <laughs> I might know where it is, but I'm not 100% certain. Uh, but yeah, it, it is be- it is beautiful. Mm. It is beautiful. Yeah. I was interested, you were talking about the production. So when you're saying the production, do you really mean just like the editing of the, um, being able to hear the sound production? The sound pap- production paps? I find really problematic. Mm-hmm. And it took me 
I was sat through the first, certainly the first half of this, going, I'm just bored at this point. And we were turning the volume up yeah. when people were speaking, but turning it down very quickly at yes. the action scenes because they were very loud mm. with like guns going off and um, cannons. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't really know where to come, I don't know mm. where to come down on this mm-hmm. at all. What do you feel about Daniel Day Lewis? Because as we found out a little while ago, <laughs> you're not a massive fan of War Daniel. I see nothing in this that makes me think it, beyond any sort of early 90s action performance. Okay. I take it this is after my left foot. I, yeah, I, I'm saying yes to so that. That's, so that's, I think that's I in think the 80s. It, yeah, it must be. Yeah. Um, uh, so my left foot, then Eversmill, New Jersey, uh, Last of Mohicans, then The Age of Innocence, oh. then The Name of the Father, uh, then The Crucible, then The Boxer, then Gangster New York. Right, and then okay. he, that's when he starts and doing that's when things he starts... every now and again. Yeah, yeah. And also really, really going for these almost like grotesque characters. So in this, like you say, he's he's your action hero. Mm. Your, your early 90s actually yeah. actually reminded me quite a lot of Tom Cruise in this. Just in terms of is some that of because his... he's the last something. Well, I I thought that as well because that's come up recently, hasn't it? The I Tom Cruise is the last samurai, which I really enjoyed. But it has now, when you go on to, and this might be a good segue into talking about we how we feel about a film that depicts Native Americans or, di- or different cultures. Yeah. So with the last samurai, they've now put a warning on on the sky, you know, when you go and find it, it will say this film is deemed to be... What What did it? What did they say? Like, um, can, we, can we look it up? Should we just put it on and see what yeah. it is? Uh, so, yeah, when you, when you look at it on Sky, The Last Samurai has a warning on before you even get to it, saying this film has outdated attitudes, language, and cultural depictions which may cause offence today. And I wondered yeah. whether they would say the same thing about The Last of the Mohicans. But rather than sort of us having a discussion about... Because I I just don't think... I don't feel that I, I'm in a position to make any judgments. Yeah. On, we are the wrong people to be making a judgment. So actually, I did a bit of research. Okay. And when I say that, I didn't just text Neil. Um, <laughs> I, did, I did a bit, a bit of research. And the guy that plays Cook who's called Russell Means, and mm. um, he was very active in a group called the American Indian Movement um, since the late 1960s, and he's been involved in a number of disputes between federal and, and tribal authorities, very well known within within the movement. Yes. And he was sort of asked, well, why have you gone to work for Hollywood mm. in in this type of film. And I thought it was really interesting because, you know, I'd be asked whether my decision to act in The Last of the Mohicans means that I've, I've effectively abandoned myself as an, as an activist. But he said that he was pleased that the American, uh, the Native Americans were more fully developed characters. And he said, unlike the cardboard figures in Dances with Wolves, who really tears Dances with Wolves apart in this this article that I found from the time. And he said, despite Kevin Costner having good intentions, he utilised almost every known stereotype um, of Native Americans. 
But he said in Last of Mohicans, the Ameri- Native Americans are depicted as equals with the white man. They interact both socially and economically. Few people realise that in the 18th century on the frontier of the Atlantic Northeast, the Native Americans and whites actually visited each other's homes. I also love the politics of the films. Um, it is co- hi- historically and culturally reliable, except for one scene which he actively argued against with Michael Mann and he goes on to say that actually it wasn't Michael I didn't have a problem with Michael Mann Michael Mann was doing things very sensitively it Mm. was the assistant directors who would treat the Native Americans as second class citizens and who wouldn't listen he was saying that like you know like the the cloths that they wear yeah like loincloths but Mm. they're not loincloths but I don't know what the correct term is for um he was saying that they made them really really small and he said that it it was unnecessary to have that it wasn't it wasn't culturally accurate it wasn't Mm. historically accurate and they would say oh we've seen them in museums and he would say oh yeah like white museums yeah. <laughs> like yeah. yeah but do you can you think of the scene that he is thinking about that he said he just didn't like that particular scene he felt that it was not right and not representative so the only thing where i thought it would and i don't know quite how mm. culturally relevant this is or not mm. the one thing which i thought was the well, there's two things actually. Mm. There is the scalping, right? Okay, and there is the pulling of the heart out. Right, that's interesting because he didn't pick up on. on but I on don't know quite two. how accurate mm. or not accurate they are. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, what? yeah. It was the um, the the scene towards the end when they go to the the person who's our villain who's called Magua yes. who's a Native American whose family has been killed by the British general mm. by Colonel Monroe whose daughters he's now he's he's killed he's he has taken the heart of Colonel Monroe yeah. but his family was killed his children were killed and his wife felt that he was dead his wife thought he was dead so she married someone else so the whole of his family was torn apart so now he's wreaking revenge on Colonel Monroe and his daughters he wants to annihilate his bloodline mm. and they go to Magua's village he, t- he eventually captures poor Duncan poor Stephen <laughs> Munden and the two girls and he takes to the village and he said here they are I've brought these people we will have our revenge we'll kill them all and there is a, a, meet- a meeting with a tribal elder yeah and Daniel Delius comes along and attempts to save the day, but unfortunately, poor Duncan gets uh, gets killed. He felt that that was very stereotypical of a Native American village. Here's okay. an elder. Yeah. Here they are having a conversation. He just felt it was unnecessary, and that he had seen in other films before. But thanks for throwing me under the bus by going. Do you know what's a, do you know what yeah, I found yeah, offensive? Sorry, sorry. Yeah, thanks. I remember yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, no, but yeah, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> that wasn't me trying to trick you or anything like that. But I just thought it was interesting that he picked that particular scene as being something that he really railed against. Yeah, but that makes me feel more confident that some of the other things in the Absolutely. in the film. He he didn't have mm. um, an an issue with, and he yeah. felt that it was um, okay to to mm. be in this film, and he felt that it was better than than Dances with Wolves. So okay. I thought that was something that we should discuss yeah. because there has been a lot of discussion about films of this type before, and you still have the issue, you know, the the issue of the white savior. Yes, we don't get to know a lot about Russell Means' character about Chinchgajkuk. No, um, we don't get to know anything about his his actual son Uncas. Yeah, um, so Uncas. Yeah, I know that character from I know that sorry that actor from mm. something. Okay, 
what would I know him from? His name is Eric Schweig, I think okay. is the right name. S-C-H- oh, I know what he was in. I quite recently watched Tom and Hook. Uh, yeah, Tom, Tom and Hook on the Tom Disney Channel. Hook. Yeah, it's yeah, uh, Tom, uh, Tom Sawyer and Huckleberry Finn. Oh, Tom and Hook. Yes. Right, I think that Hook is in like H-double-O-K. No. Not, not Huckleberry. That's where I know him from. Okay, is he in that? Yeah. Oh, that's weird. Yeah, with a... Uh, I suspect is he a lot that's... younger? No, 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 no. No, it's, it's later. It's uh, No, he's not one of those characters. He's... Right. The character is quite insensitively named Injun Joe. Oh, dear. Yeah. And that was later? 95, yeah. Right. I thought it was like a film from the 60s or something no, like that. No, 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 no. Okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I always felt there was more to say there. And it was a shame that we concentrated so much on Daniel Day-Lewis's character. Mm. What did you think about the, the two women? Because um, there, there are only two women who speak in this film, and that is Cora and Alice, the sisters. Wow. Okay, I didn't realise mm. that. Yeah. Uh, they don't... They don't really have a lot to do. Mm. Um, they are women in peril. Mm-hmm. Daniel Day Lewis inexplicably falls in love with someone after finding after yeah, isn't it being with her for it's a couple like, of hours. He looks at her for a little while yeah. and like she shoots a gun. Yeah, and then he sees oh she's a bit interesting. This woman. Yeah, I like that. It's Madeline Stowe who plays Cora. Yeah. I really like that at the beginning she seems to be just a she's sitting having tea. With Duncan. Duncan wants to marry her. She doesn't want to marry him. But he's... It's it's this amazing scene where he goes, just, you know, trust me and trust my judgment when I tell you that you should marry me. And she's Mm. going, "Mm, not quite sure I should marry you. Oh, no, says Duncan. I think you should. They're certainly written with agency. Uh, Certainly she is. Um, Alice doesn't have a lot to do. She Other doesn't. than kind of fall in love with Unka a little and bit. And I'm not even sure she does fall in love with Unka, so I think she's just looking for some... I, I wish that had been mm. um, fleshed out a bit more. What I like about the, the Alice character is, while you've got Cora that, who has agency, who rails against her father when her father does things that she doesn't agree with in terms of tactics, mm. um, she... she's resourceful she tries to get away when there's um when there's chaos and action and you know she her life's in in danger a lot of women could be portrayed as sort of simpering wrecks whenever there's any peril and she doesn't do that for for alice i always thought that she was a really interesting depiction of someone who probably has ptsd yes she starts off being this really gregarious come on cora we're going to see father it's going to be amazing and she's swinging around and she's playing with it you know she's really you think oh she's going to be unbearable but when things turn bad which is quite early on you can just see in it jodie may who plays alice you can see just all of that life drains from her. I didn't and get any of that. J- j- oh, really? No, not That's at all. interesting. Not at all. I always thought that she was portraying someone who was tra- incredibly traumatised, which then leads her to take her own life at the end. Yeah. And I think that fits. She gets to a point where she's like, I'm really glad they didn't go there, but there is a suggestion that the, uh, the one of the tribal elders gives her, in inverted commas... I don't think that's a suggestion. Mad- I no, think no, that is... but I, what I was going to say was there, was, there was a suggestion that you, there was a potential that there could have been a rape scene or an attempted rape scene. Yeah. I'm so glad it didn't go there. Mm. Um, but that's where you're kind of led to 
to think this will eventually end up. So she can see that coming. She's her father's dead. She she doesn't know what's happened to the others. She presumes that her sister's dead because at the time that she's pulled away, they're saying well, right, Cora's going to get burnt in the in the village, but actually we find out later that, that Duncan, she doesn't know that. Yeah. So she's got nothing left. And when Uncas tries to protect her and then dies, mm. I think all of that trauma is in her in her face. Okay, that's that's interesting. That's not something that's not something that I saw. From, from um, the first run. Yeah, mm. yeah. It might be that on a second run I watch it, but I'm never watching this again. Okay. Um, just to make that very clear. Okay. Yeah. Um, going back onto that scene where mm. they, sort of the, the very last scene in the film almost, mm. where they try and rescue Alice and then the final showdown. Again, this hits on one of my bugbears that I, I can't remember what film we mentioned it, but it was a couple of weeks ago. One of my bugbears is secondary characters being the people who finish up, do complete the job essentially, because we have uh, Uncas attacking and trying to rescue Alice. Yeah. Then we see Chinjaguk. Yeah, Chinjaguk. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I will check that every time yeah, I say yeah. it. Um, going and doing the final showdown. Uh, with, with Magua. Magua. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because um, he's killed his son. Yeah. But then we, while all while doing this, Daniel Day Lewis just sat around, just stood around. He's not stood around. He's necking on with uh, with Cora because that's that they do that a lot in this, don't they? Mm. I was actually quite because I remember reading a, a couple of days ago. I thought oh, I'll have a quick look at what other people thought of Last of the Weekends, and the word passion came up quite a lot, like epic and passion. And I was really surprised just quite how much kissing there is in this in this film. <laughs> they're always kissing. They're, there's one point where they're being attacked, mm. and Daniel Lewis naturally comes along and saves Cora from yeah. a particular attack. And instead of like running away because this attack is happening all around them, just have a cuddle. Yeah. And I turned to you, mm. didn't I, and said, "Oh yeah, you just got, you've yeah. got five minutes for a cuddle. It's fine. And don't yeah. you know try no, and escape." Tomahawks flying about everywhere, yeah, yeah, bullets yeah, everywhere. Bullets. Yeah. Yeah. Um, One more thing that I don't quite understand, okay. and this goes back to the sound issue. Right. When they're under the waterfall, mm. and the um the Native Americans and Daniel Day Lewis mm-hmm. jump off the waterfall yeah. to get away. Yeah. Why didn't they all just jump? Yeah, I was thinking that. I think they because that was such a big jump, mm. I suspect that they thought that they wouldn't all make it. That was my reading of it. That they had to get away because they were stronger. But yeah, 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 because they nearly, nearly didn't make it because Chinchas Cook gets stuck at the bottom and they have to rescue him. But I agree, it was a plot device that I didn't think particularly worked. And mm. maybe that's the guy that plays him, Russell Means. Maybe because it then leads them off to go into the village. Yes, maybe that's where he was thinking. This is a bit. What, it, have it, the fight. It or is have, just yeah. a, a action yeah. which then just sets just up. Just means that yeah. they have to. Get to the village on time, Mm. whereas they could have all not been in the village. Yeah, Yeah, I agree. And also, you think, well, Magua has caught up with these women and Duncan. Mm. Why doesn't he just kill them then? Yeah, he's killed the father. Absolutely. Yeah. Why doesn't he just kill them then? And why Mm. take them to the back to the village? Because he never said he's going to do that. He said to the 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 French guy all along, "I'm just going to kill him." Yeah. You know, I'm going to. He was going to kill him first. First fight. Yeah, Yeah. 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 And equally, when Alice makes known that she wants to throw herself from the um, the the mountain yeah. after Uncas has been thrown off to it to his death. Magua then sort of realizes what she's going to do because she's stepping backwards and she's looking down into into the into the you know the vast darkness beneath her, mm. and he starts going, 
oh, don't do that. Come on. And he starts beckoning her and sort of got, like puts sort of like concern in his face. Like, come, yeah. come on, come on. Two minutes ago, yeah. he, he wanted them all gone. Yes. He, 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 he said he was going to completely... Uh, uh, um, I'm going to say evasory. I don't know if that's a word. But he was going to eliminate the bloodline yes. of Monroe. And then mm. he's gone, oh, no, come on, come with me. Mm. Yeah. There were some interesting plot choices in that last section Absolutely. to bring it all, all to its end. Nice little cameo from Jared Harris. Jared Harris is in it. Yeah, he's one of the first one of the first British soldiers that appear in it. Is he? Yeah. Oh, I didn't spot that at and all. And all the way through, I was thinking, is that Jared Harris? Is that Jared Harris? Mm. And he's not in. I didn't see him in the credits, but I've looked him up on IMDb, and yes, it's. Oh, he's not credited. Is he not? Uh, or was he not in the credits? I didn't see. I didn't see his name. Right. Right. Okay. So right at the beginning. Right at the beginning. We'll go okay. back and look at it. Yeah, we'll have a look. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, very young Jared Harris. Oh. Did I miss Comini in this completely? Yeah, I did as well. Yeah. Okay. Pete, Pete Postlethwaite, Postlethwaite just rocks up halfway well. through. It doesn't do anything. He's no. just He's just there, which is a shame. And obviously he went on to work with Daniel Day-Lewis later in, in The Name of the Father. Yes, oh, of course. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And Wes Study um, is also, or Studi, I never know what, how to how to say it, um, is in Heat. Yes. He's one of um, Al Pacino's mates. Uh, one of the, one of the goodies in heat. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I just want to say heat a bit. At, at what point did you it. understand his motivation? Like, how many watches was it? Twenty, twenty-five. What in heat? Yeah. Yeah, probably, yeah. probably because he's he's he doesn't have a he doesn't have a particularly massive part mm. in it. So yeah, anyway, not a heat podcast, although I wish it was. <laughs> so I think we've probably exhausted everything there is to say about Last Mohicans. I feel that. You, you've already said you're not going... To, you wouldn't watch this again. I wouldn't watch this again, no. I find it quite hard to watch. You know, before when we were setting this up and we were both saying, I'm not entirely sure that I'm that excited about watching Last of the Weekends. Yeah. I wasn't excited because when I watched this for the first time, I think I might have watched it a bit too young. Okay. So I would have been 11 when this came out. I remember being really affected by it because... It didn't end the way that most films ended at that time. So most films ended with people being saved and everyone going off into the, the sunshine. Yes. In this, people die and people die in horrific ways. Yeah. Guys' hearts um, cut out. Poor Duncan ends up on a pyre. And that it's quite graphic. He's screaming. And, yeah. And yeah, Daniel Day-Lewis puts him out of his misery. But And then you've got Alice taking her own life. And mm. Uncas die. So all these major characters are dying and dying in really horrific ways. And I think I watched it too young and I, I felt very affected by it. And whenever I hear the music, whenever I hear the last time we can soundtrack, I feel quite teary and I feel quite overwhelmed by emotion. And I think that might be where that where that comes from. Okay. So it's I a lovely would, score. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, be- it's a beautiful score, but it really takes me back to watching it for the first time. It's quite emotive for me. And they quite often play it when we've been to the Royal Albert Hall, Royal Albert Hall. to see the yes. m- movie music. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, I wouldn't watch, I wouldn't choose to watch it again. I saw it on your list and I thought, oh, that'd be really interesting to see what your point of view is. And there we go. I've got it. Well, I'd rather watch it with you than, <laughs> yeah. like, by myself going, oh, God, yeah, I yeah, you need to watch it with someone else. I yeah. think. How many stars are you going to give it? I'm going to give this two and a half. Okay. I feel that's I feel that's low. Uh, but I feel it. Yeah, I I feel it's probably low compared to the probably people's consensus of this film. Mm. 
but I got more out of Waterworld than I did out of this. That's interesting. I got more out of The Three Musketeers than I got out of this. How about Just 3D? I got more out of... <laughs> I got more out of Peach Dragon than I did. Yeah, that. oh, that's going back a while as yeah. well. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, can, I think you enjoyed Peach Dragon much more than this. Yes. You could still sing the songs and uh, talk to me about your, about your dragon. Yes. Um, okay, fair enough. It's not one of those that I'm going to try and like go, oh, but wow, but because I think it's a very personal, mm. very personal film, really. And it doesn't hold a particular place in my heart because I remember finding it so yeah. upsetting, to be mm. honest with you. Okay, um, <laughs> you're, you're giving me the look that suggests that you know what we're watching next week and you didn't do what I just did, which was like, oh, last and weekends, let's watch that. So... Um, I've changed the one that I'm going to mention again. Is it a bit more upbeat? It is massively more upbeat. Oh, good. I'm pleased. It's a lot more fun. Right. And you may very well hate it. Okay. Mm. But at least we'll have plenty to do. Yes. So next week, we're going to watch The Naked Gun. I mean, when you said it's upbeat... I was thinking a musical. I was thinking, you know, Herbie goes to you know, like some sort of kids, something off Disney. But no, you've gone there. Mm. You've actually gone there. So, what do you know about the Naked Gun? I don't. I don't know, and I don't care. <laughs> Just Leslie Nielsen. There was one where it, we said we said this before earlier on on the on an earlier episode where I said that it's two and. Two and a quarter or something was Naked the Gun, two and a half. There we go, yeah. Because I remember that coming out in the 90s. The Smell of Fear. Yeah, great. And then Naked Gun, 33 and a third, oh, the final insult. Brilliant. You know I'm going to hate this, don't you? Oh, I, I'm counting on it. Right. I don't think... I, I think you will... I don't think you will hurt it. I think if you go in with that attitude, you will. But... I would, I would ask just, that you go in with it. Yeah, well, up, I, I always do. I, I will. I, pro- mm. I promise. I will. Um, just placating you now by like, rubbing your arm. Yes. <laughs> like, yeah. I will. I will. But I just, I remember Airplane. Was it called Airplane? Yes. yes. And I remember really wanting to laugh with the jokes and knowing that everyone else would find it hilarious and just not getting it, just not finding it funny. I wouldn't, I wouldn't make you. I wouldn't make you watch this, <laughs> but I am making you watch this. Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't make Fair you enough. watch this if you, if you hadn't quite enjoyed um, Top Secret. Right. Okay. Are we more along the lines of? Yeah, you're looking at me as if to say that's the whole point of the podcast, Elaine. Save yes. it for next week. Yeah, that's exactly right. Okay. But yeah, if I go into it with a Top Secret mind, yeah. rather than an airplane mind, mm. maybe I might get. Yes. More out of it. I'm not looking forward to this, I have to say, but I'll do it for you, particularly because it's your birthday week. Oh, yes, it is. Yeah. yeah. So I will go into it in the spirit of you being my old, older man, <laughs> 40, only by a few months. And if, if even if it's awful, yeah. it's 85 minutes long. Oh, brilliant. Yeah, these films tend to be quite short, don't they? Yeah. I mean, look, this was only two hours. That wasn't bad, was it? It could have been, could have been Dances with Wolves. It dragged. I don't think it dragged. Okay, well, um, apparently my opinion's wrong, so... uh, (laughs) That's what you say to me all the time. Right, let's let's stop now. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Thanks, everyone, for listening. Thanks for listening, everyone. And we'll see you next week. See you next week. Bye-bye.
Before you go, just a reminder that you can subscribe to the Honeymoon Period podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere else you get your podcasts. You can join in the conversation on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just search for The Honeymoon Pod. Finally, if you like this episode and you think someone else would too, please share it. See you next time.